what's up everybody? Jared Mays here from Legends Look Back. Once again, bringing you one of the audio interviews that I was able to record at Legends Con in Burbank, California on September 8th. I really had an amazing time getting to interview Karina Becco, who you'll get to hear from in this particular interview. She is the writer for Legacy Volume 2. It was a Dark Horse comic published right at the tail end of the uh, Legends timeline, both chronologically IRL and chronologically in the Star Wars universe. And I think for, for that reason, many folks have missed it. However, I had the chance to read all 18 issues of the comic series as is collected in the Marvel Epic Collection Legacy Volume 2 just a week or two ago, and it really holds up. It's an excellent series that that really highlights what makes Star Wars great. It's got a good team, plenty of heart, well-developed characters, amazing world-building, a story that uh, has highs and lows and twists and turns, and, well, quite frankly, it's great. It's really just a worth everyone's time. So if you get the chance, check that one out. You can find, of course, the affiliate link in the podcast description below if you'd like to check out your own copy. Once again, thanks to the folks at LegendsCon for giving us this amazing opportunity to conduct this interview interview with Karina Becco. And can you uh, pronounce your name for me, please? Karina Becco. Karina? Mm -hmm. Okay. Becco. Becco. Okay, I'm going to mess with that Gecko. up. I am fairly certain I'm going to mess <laughs> that up. And you know what? It doesn't. It's, it's fine. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we're going to skip all the preamble because I've got you for a limited time slot here, and uh, we'll give you a proper introduction in post, of course. That's fine. Uh, for our listeners. So I'm um, joined here by uh, Karina Becco uh, to talk about uh, her uh, magnificent Star Wars comics, Legacy Volume 2, starring Anya Solo. Now, do you say Anya or Anya? Yeah, One, two syllables or three? It's funny. I get that question a lot. Um, I always say Anya. Anya, two but, syllables. Yeah, but you know what? It's like comic, and however you hear it in your head that sounds correct, I would never tell somebody they're wrong. Okay. That, their, their, their Anya may be different. Sure. Okay. Well, I just want to pronounce it as, as close to correctly as possible. Anya Solo is such a compelling character. She's a roguish female lead, a type that... Honestly, we don't often see in the EU, especially not headlining uh, their own series. So tell us about crafting Anya Solo. You know, um, I worked with uh, Gabriel Hardman. He did the art, and that was very intrinsic to the story because her look went along with her, um, how she acted like. We, We talked a lot ahead of time about what sort of character she would be, we really wanted her to be somebody who was making her own way in the galaxy. Yes, her last name was Solo, but this was far enough in the future of everything else that, you know, she really couldn't rely on anything like that. So we just wanted it to sort of be like, that. we wanted her to feel very Star Wars and like you could get some of that Solo feeling from her, but sure. um, that she'd be her own woman. Sure, that's a great way to put it. She feels like a Solo uh, she says some Han Soloisms along the way, uh, but also definitely has her own personality and um, holds her own alongside any uh, protagonist that headlines their own series. How much did you have to intentionally insert uh, the little Han Soloisms into her dialogue versus how much did you have to hold yourself back? I would say it's probably about holding ourselves back because, I mean, I've seen the movies 
how many times, murmur of times, you know. So uh, it was it was very easy to internalize that. I think the harder part was to try to figure out exactly how she was and think about her to the point where her dialogue became intrinsic in the same way. Okay, right. Um, where you are feeling her dialogue, uh, what she wants to say, as opposed to making her say what Han Solo would say. Exactly. I mean, I feel a lot of times as a writer, I know I'm on the right track when the character does something I don't expect them to do. Okay. And uh, she often surprised me, so I, I felt that. like that was a good thing. Good, good. Well, the core cast of characters is really colorful and diverse. I think in so many ways it really strikes gold of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. You know, you've got your crew with a, a female solo scoundrel lead, uh, a brash imperial knight, uh, a Mon Cal engineer, uh, and a pair of polar opposite droids, a tiny and lovable probe droid and an assassin IG, uh, it's an AG unit, but it, it, you get the, je the yeah. gist. Uh, how did you come up with this ensemble? And who was your favorite to write? Oh, gosh. Um... You know, I, I I had so much fun with our, our Mon Calamari. I loved writing him. I mean, I loved writing her, too. But also, my gosh, I love that little tiny droid so much. I was always like, oh, I, I wish I could find somebody to make one of these for me. Of course, oh, yeah. I could probably have any droid and just, you know, call that particular, you know, kit bash myself. Sure. But um, it's funny that you mentioned that I actually had almost forgotten how much fun it was to write the little guys too. <laughs> yeah, the, the little probe droid, God, was he ever named in the series? You know, he just kind of came along for the ride. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, but um, I am a, a zoologist by training and I mean there's a lot of animals in Star Wars but really the, the pets sometimes are the droids that are less verbal okay. and then and to me and because uh, you know even the little probe droids seem to be almost self-aware, so sure. I, I kind of felt like that was a good way to slip in something like that. Okay, so kind of a, kind of a pet, if you will. <laughs> almost. I mean, not, not, not that they don't have self-direction, and certainly you're fully realized, like C-3PO, I would never call a pet, but some of the little guys, the little mouse droids or whatever, they kind of seem like a pet. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, we've talked about the Mon Cal, we've talked about the Probe Droid, we've talked about Anya Solo. Let's talk about AG-37. AG-37 makes reference to making a solo a promise. I'm sure you've heard this so many times <laughs> over the years. Now, Randy Stradley dismissed the idea that he was uh, R2-D2 in an IG unit's body. Another fan theory is that AG-37 is C-3PO's memory core in an assassin droid's body. Setting all of that aside, can you tell us just a bit about what you had in mind regarding AG-37's past? You know... The sad thing was we actually had something all worked out. Where we were going to do a whole other uh, before because we were we went right up against when the license went away from Dark Horse. I call it D-Day. That yes, thank you. Disney. The <laughs> Very Disney. much. That's exactly right. So we actually were going to do a whole arc where we explored that and had some flashbacks where he was having some some troubles with like putting things together and it was going to be this whole drama about that and we we're going to totally explain that and no neither of the fan theories were what we had in mind okay but now that that did happen that it, the license went i figure anybody who has a theory if they really think that's how it should be 
you know, for you, yes, let that happen, you know, because it. it's yeah. never, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you you're wrong because I can never write that. Yeah, so. at this point, it's in our hands. Exactly. Um, well, the, the, the C-3PO theory doesn't quite work because it's not his speech pattern. It's no. not how he thinks. It's not how I, he I don't acts. feel like he would ever be, like, that just, that feels wrong to me, but hey, if it feels right to somebody else, you know, well, <laughs> who run, am I to say? I've run across that theory online a number of months ago. Could have been years ago, and then uh, the the newest what is it called? The, the Marvel Epic Collection um, contains all 18 issues of Legacy Volume Two. The very back has a little blurb. You've seen this, mm -hmm. and it says uh, also telling the final fate of C-3PO. And I wondered yeah. if that was poking fun at the fan theory, you know, or if it's just in reference know. to that extra visionary story. You were story. not the first one to ask me that about that, <laughs> and. I, I don't know, but uh, I'd be interested to find out. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, there's a theme that runs through the series. We talked about the characters. Let's talk about you know, the, its thematic elements. There's a theme that runs through the series about how our pasts affect our present and our futures. Mm -hmm. Why was this theme important to you, and how did you use Legacy to convey it? You know, I always that's actually a really interesting um, theme for me because I feel... Like, especially when you get into a universe that's so expansive, like Star Wars, and there's so many moving parts, um, there's actual consequences. And in most uh, movies or, or whatever, you only have a consequence that goes from the beginning of the movie to the end. But here you have things that could span hundreds of years, and you get to pull on all of that. And uh, I kind of love that about working in that universe. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, world building is a real strength of the series as well. Uh, a planet is knocked out of orbit, mm -hmm. roaming the galaxy at random. A planet that rains glass in acid. Uh, what's your approach to crafting unique environments in a playground where, to be honest, it seems like everything's been done already? That was a hard thing to do. They actually, um, when we were hired to work on it, um, our marching orders were show us something we haven't seen before. Wow. Which was not easy. No. We've seen a lot. Right. <laughs> I mean, but it's a big galaxy, a big universe, and um, we just really tried uh, to think through some things that would be have dramatic weight and feel like Star Wars, but be new and go places, not just go back to Tatooine. They actually told us, don't go back to Tatooine. They told you not to. <laughs> they right. told us because everybody wants to go to Tatooine sure. because, of course. But I mean, I even remember Randy saying, "Remember, Tatooine is not." the center of the known universe. Yeah, he's very big on that. Very big. He actually mentioned that in an interview with me earlier today. Yes, <laughs> yes, and I have such clear memory of him saying that. And sure. we're like, okay. Yeah, and he doesn't really take any nonsense. So. No, no, he was actually such a terrific editor to have. I loved working with him. He gave it to you straight. Right. He told you what he thought, and if he liked it, you knew that he was not telling you a story that he actually liked it. Sure. Yeah, that's what you need in an editor. Oh, yeah. And he was so helpful, too. He was He's just a terrific person. Wonderful. Yeah, I was glad to get the chance to meet him. Um, well, let me ask you one last question here. We'll respect your time and let you go. Um, obviously, the Legends canon split happened in the middle of your series. You've mentioned it um, briefly already. But what else can you tell us about how that altered your original plan for the book? It, it is nice that you were able to wrap it up. The oh, story, yeah. so many folks, they say to me, should I read this? Does it actually end? <laughs> and I say, yes, absolutely. It's very self-contained. Though you can tell there was more to come. Yeah, I kind of felt like um, 
I don't know how much you sew, but like there's little delicate stitches you can do when you really want to um, make something of lasting quality. And then there's like a big old whip stitch when you're just like, oh no, my pants split and I need to get this back together. Yeah, that's me, the pants yeah, split. Yeah, you know, right. so, uh, you know, um, if. I feel like the end of it was a little bit of a whip stitch because we knew where we were going, but we all of a sudden had a very limited amount of time and space. And comics, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, but you still need enough pictures for all of your words. And we did not have quite enough, honestly. And yeah. I would have, it was supposed to be much more expanded. We told the story, but it was in a very condensed form. Yeah, just little things like. Um the bits and pieces about AG37's past and, yeah. and things like that where you're, you're, you know there's more to come and it doesn't quite get there and you realize, well, at least they tied yeah. up the main plot. Yeah, we were supposed to have a lot more space and the, the arc that's there at the end would have taken a lot more space. So there would have been sure. room to expand all of these things and for character development. And as it was, it was very much like they came in a door and they went out a door. And uh, that's all, folks. You know, right, so. right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's a pleasure getting the chance to meet you. I would highly encourage uh, fans out there to uh, pick up uh, Karina's, um, uh, her work in uh, Legacy Volume 2. It's been most recently collected in the Marvel Epic Collection. Uh, Legacy Volume 4. So there's a little bit of confusion for you in classic, <laughs> so many numbers. classic Star Wars fashion. Your series is Legacy Volume 2, but yeah. these days it's Legacy Volume 4. <laughs> and it's the one with Anya Solo. That's what I tell people. The yeah, one with just, Anya Solo. Anya Solo is an easy name to remember, so yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This is a Utini Broadcast.